Hey everyone, my name is Mac, and I'm one of the pastors here at Cape Christian. I'd like to welcome you to our online experience as we continue our Mastermind mini-series. Even though we're not together in one big room worshiping, we can still be connected with one heart and one mind as we worship together online. Our hope and our prayer is that you open your hearts and prepare yourself to experience the power and presence of God as you worship with your friends and family right where you are and with others around the world. You see, we're not alone after all. We've got live hosts, an open prayer room, and lots of ways to connect online. It's actually pretty easy to do. Just create a nickname and join the chat. We encourage you to connect with others who are joining us, say hi, respond to the message, or ask a question. Just click on the button to my left to get started. If you're on your phone, make sure you turn it sideways so that you can see the chat window. Regardless of your current circumstances, we know that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So when we face uncertainty, we can come to God and worship and prayer. We can open up the Bible together and allow God to encourage our heart and strengthen our faith. So during our time of worship, join along, sing along, participate with an expectation that God is gonna do something incredible in your life during our time of worship. We're a community of spiritual contributors, not consumers. And if you need prayer, we have a live prayer feature that you can access at any time during the service. Just click on the button and you'll be connected to a real live person on our prayer team who would love to join with you in prayer. So open your hearts and your minds as we join Pastor Desi and the worship team to worship God together. All right, up on your feet. Put those hands together. I want you singing this with us nice and loud. Salvation sounds a new Distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's beat is unrelenting. Your love goes on. Your love goes on. Bring the world in the way. Carry us.
right in your living room. Come on, let's worship together. This is my favorite part of the song right here. Tearing through the veil of darkness, breaking every chain you set us free.
Wow, what a great time of worship. Share your heart and your thoughts with us through the chat feature and the live prayer button. But if you need more than just a quick chat, we have a digital connect card. Let us know if you're new or if you need prayer or if you would like any information on our ministries. Just click the link below and reach out. Share your online experience with the team. We'd love to hear from you. So click the banner below to fill out the connect card. If you call Cape Christian home, this is the time where we give back to God from what he's given to us by receiving our tithes and offerings. When we give back to God, we're showing that we trust him in every area of our life, including our finances. Your generosity has made it possible for us to continue offering this online experience and allows Cape Christian to have a global impact by supporting our missions partners around the world and right here in our own community. Through your faithfulness and giving, we can continue to make room for everyone as we expand our campus through our For Everyone campaign. Through our Compassion First initiative, we've been able to support church plants, build a church building, and even partner with a local organization to wipe out $1 million of medical debt in our community. Now that's making an impact. We're blessed to be a blessing. And even though we don't know what the future holds, we know who holds our future. So take a step of faith and click the button at the top of the screen or on the banner below to give. Or you can give through our Cape Christian app as well. Your generosity makes a difference. And just to make it easier for everyone, you can set up reoccurring giving as well. It's easy to set up with just a few quick and secure clicks. As you give, I'd like you to know about a few things that are happening here at Cape Christian. On May 8th, Beloved, our women's ministries is having a ladies night in. Click the banner below to register for this free event. That's right, it's free. Ladies, you do not wanna miss this time of connection and encouragement. Also, Mother's Day is coming up on May 10th. Guys, write it down. For your own health and safety, write it down. Also, you don't wanna miss Pastor Corey's message as he welcomes a very special guest. You may even gain a deeper insight into what makes him tick. We believe that we were never meant to live out our faith in isolation. God, in his infinite wisdom and grace, designed it to be done in community. So even in our current circumstances, we know we still need connection to help. To help us grow in our faith, to support one another, to laugh together, pray together, and encourage one another. Our small groups have all of that. Virtual summer group signups will open on May 16th. We have a group for everyone, so come join a group. You'll be glad you did as you live out your faith in community. Now, open your hearts and your minds as we join Pastor Corey and continue our Mastermind mini-series. Welcome back to the conclusion of our Mastermind series. These are usually two-week mini-series, but last week I said there was so much that I felt that God was saying to us and through us. I'm making this a two-part message. So welcome to part two of message two of Mastermind. Before you could speak, before you could eat or cook, run, swim, before you were even born, a system was put into place a powerful system that would get stronger with repetition. When we use this system, we call it thought. Thinking creates pathways that eventually led you to be able to successfully speak, eat, run, swim, 
Each time you travel down a pathway, the easier it gets. Making pathways is what determine your habits, attitudes, and actions. But sometimes we form pathways to places that are destructive. Destructive habits, destructive attitudes, and destructive actions. The only way to change your path is to go back and change your thinking so that you can create positive habits, positive attitudes, positive actions. You can use this powerful system to change your life. Let's begin. Now, as we dive into this, I'm a big fan of giving you supplemental resources. And so um, some of what we've been talking about has come out of three different resources or three recommended resources that if, if you're like, man, this is just the beginning of the journey and the conversation for me, I want more. There's three books I wanna recommend. Um, the first one is Addicted to Busy by Pastor Brady Boyd, Addicted to Busy. Uh, it's a phenomenal resource. I got some stuff from these, this two-part message uh, out of that. Another resource, the second one is a book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. Again, highly recommend. If, if you've been around Cape Christian very long, you know I'm a big John Ortberg fan. Um, Soul Keeping. And then the third one is a newer book, uh, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So if anything I said last week or anything I say this week uh, resonates with you, um, then I would really encourage you to get one or all three of those resources. I just think that um, it would really, really uh, help you continue to allow God to speak to you beyond just this message. And, and as I said last week, you're probably here for one of two reasons. You're, you're spiritually curious. Somebody told you you should check this out online, or you are a follower of Jesus, but you're really busy. And so the question is, how do we find Jesus's rhythm? How do we find the pace that God wants for us? And so I want to take us all the way back to the beginning of the story. God is many things in our lives, and, and many of us think of God as a deity, which he is. We think of God as a father, which he is. But, but I talk sometimes about God as an author as well. And just like any other author, uh, God put some very intentional, specific things at the very beginning of the book that would kind of set the tone, and there would be some rhythms and patterns and things that you would see throughout the book. And God does this just like any other author. And so I want to go with the very beginning of the book, because at the very beginning, God talks about how he set everything in motion. God d divinely created everything we see, fish and birds and animals and trees and mountains and oceans and humans and stars and day and night. And, and the whole first chapter is this poetic picture of how God put this all into motion. And then it ends in a unique way. And if I were to ask you, and you can do this behind your keyboard, just type it in Facebook or, or on the app or whatever. If I were to ask you, how many days did it take God to create the earth? What would you say? Just put in your answer right now. How many days did it take God to create the earth? I'm gonna give you one second. Some of you are afraid because you think this might be one of my trick questions or whatever. So just type it in. Now my guess, I can't see it right now, real time, but my guess is that probably about half of you put six and half of you put seven. Because six days, God actually did the work and created everything, but there's this seven-day creation, and we see that from the very beginning of the story, God creates this rhythm that he will repeat throughout the entire story, but he's given us the free will to say, you can either live according to my rhythm, you can, you can live and you can free, by your free will, you can live how I created things, or you can choose to try to do it your own way. And so at the very beginning of the story, this is how it says, at the end of God creating everything, in Genesis chapter one, the very last verse, we're gonna read the last verse of chapter one and the first three verses of chapter two. And just as a reminder, it was humans who divided it up into chapters much later, but this would have originally been written all as one segment. And so here's what the Bible says at the very beginning of the story. Moses wrote this, by the way, is accredited to, to, to logging this. Um, 
Genesis chapter one, verse 31, it says, after God had saw all that he had made and he said, it was very good. And then there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So there you see, God did everything in six days. And it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. So the story says that God completed the vast array means just a picture, a thing of beauty. It was perfect. It lacked nothing. God created everything in six days. But then it goes on and adds these two verses that are kind of weird, but kind of not. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Now, I think we should pay strong attention to the fact that two times in about three sentences, he says he rested from all of his work. What God is setting in motion from the beginning is that when I set this whole thing up, when I created this whole thing, it wasn't just only ever to work and create and produce, but there is a rhythm I put in this from the beginning that six days I create and then seventh day I rested. Now, there's a couple words I want to define in here when it says that he made that he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That word holy literally just means dedicated or consecrated or set apart or specifically sacred. And so God wanted us to know from the beginning that there wasn't a six-day creation, it was seven, because six days he worked, but on the seventh day, it's special, it's sacred, it's supposed to be set apart, it's dedicated, and, and if you do set it apart, if you do what God asks, it will be blessed. And then when it says he rested from his work, again, you gotta understand, we can't make words mean what we think they mean, we gotta know what the Bible actually meant. When it says rested, it doesn't mean like some of us were like, God was just so wiped, he was so tired, he was so pooped, he was like, man, I didn't think the Rocky Mountains were gonna take it out of me like that. That last ocean, man, there's so much water in the stinking Pacific, I just need a break. That is not what it means, it's what it means to us because we're finite beings. All that word rested means, when you read that in Genesis, it just means stopped. It doesn't mean he was tired. Now we rest when we get tired. God rested as an example and he's inviting us in to this beautiful rhythm. And again, remember ancient readers wouldn't have just looked for the words on the page, but the patterns and the rhythms and what else is in there. And so what you see is this invitation for us to live in a rhythm of six and one. Six days I create, six days I achieve, six days I produce, one day I rest. I go and I go and then I rest. And then I go and I produce and I achieve and then I rest and it's set apart and it's sacred and it's holy. And again, I love the fact that it says he blessed the seventh day and set it apart. And as, as I was reading this in pre preparation for this message, I had this thought as I was preparing and praying, I thought some of us have been asking God to bless us for so long, but he literally can't because the day that he has blessed, we skip the rest. We're saying, God bless me. And he's like, I'm trying if you'll stop and if you'll slow down and you'll rest. But we're like, no, I got one more thing to do. I got, we're gonna take our day off and we're gonna, we're gonna get, and I'm gonna get into some of that. And I think God is saying, will you allow me to set the pace and the rhythm of your life? This is a theme throughout the Old Testament. If you fast forward about 2,500 years in human history, Moses is now on Mount Sinai. He's led the people out of Israel 
uh, I'm sorry, out of Egypt, the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he's meeting with the Lord on Mount Sinai. And this is where we get a lot of the, the, the Torah or the Pentateuch. God, they're there for 40 days on two different occasions. God's just downloading him and he's given the 10 commandments and he's given us, and it, it, it's the way to live. We, we maybe view the, the Bible or, or the 10 commandments as rules and laws, but back in those days, they would have viewed um, that our God has loved us so much as a father that he's given us his words to teach us the best way to live. And so he's given it to, to Moses to tell the people. And this is what he tells Moses, again, on this topic of rest and rhythms and pace. He says this. He says, remember, verse 8, chapter, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is straight in the 10 commandments. And probably it's the one commandment that we skip over and we just kind of assume we got it. But it's probably one of the most broken commandments in the 10 commandments. He says, remember the Sabbath day, verse 8 of Exodus 20, by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then he goes on. He's going to remind them and he's going to point back to Genesis. And he's going to say, six days you will labor and you will do your work. But on the seventh day, that's a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on the seventh day, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. And then he reminds him, he says, just as a remember, when this whole thing was created perfect, there was a rhythm to it. And in verse 11, he says, for in six days, God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's saying, if you as humans want to experience the full life that I have, if you want to live this thing out, this life, the way I made it, you have to understand that six days you work and one day you rest and six and one and six and one and there's a pattern and there's a, a rhythm and it's kind of musical and it's kind of poetic. In fact, what's crazy is if you go on and read the Bible and you go to the next book, Leviticus, which many of us just read for fun because it's just so compelling. That's a joke. Uh, most of us skip over it because it's just really weird and it needs interpretation, but it's the laws of how to live. He takes it a step further. This is so fascinating to me. In Exodus, uh, in Leviticus, uh, I believe it's chapter um, 25. He says, this doesn't actually just only go for my, my created humans, but he goes, this goes for my other creations as well. He's talking to them about the land, even the land and the geography was made with this rhythm in mind. And so he says in verse two, he says, as speaking on how to live, he says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land that I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath day to the Lord. Isn't that crazy? Even the land must observe a, observe a Sabbath day. Verse three says, for six years, sow your fields and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather your crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath rest to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. So God takes it a step further. and He's saying, not just humans, but the land. And, and, and he goes on to say, basically, I'm gonna give you enough in the sixth year that if you store it, you can eat for the seventh year. And what's crazy is, again, science and agronomy and, and agriculture. I come from a farm part of the country in, in Nebraska where they've learned that it's really good for plots of land to take a year off every seven years. So the, most farmers will take a different part, a section of their land where they let it rest or they burn it and they get the nutrients. And so we see that this idea that God is saying, there is a pace and a rhythm to which 
I have created you to live, to operate, that things work best, they work on full capacity, that you can go and not burn out, and it's for you, it's for the land, but I've given you free will, and if you wanna push the limits, you can, but you will probably miss out on this special holy Sabbath rest that will allow you to continue to go the way I've meant you to go. Now, we're gonna have a little fun today. I, I wish you were here in person, but it's still gonna be fun nonetheless. So when I was in high school, uh, when I was in high school, uh, a couple of my friends started to learn to play the drums. And so um, I thought, oh, that's cool. You guys want to play the drums. Drums were a cool instrument. And so uh, my friend Byron, uh, still a good friend to this day, um, he started playing the drums and he gave me one lesson, one lesson. And, uh, and I thought, man, this is just cool. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the drums because I think there is, um, there's something in here that, that I think Maybe God wants to say to us. And so what I learned quick in the first lesson is that you need two things to play the drums. Number one, you need sticks. You got it. If you're going to play the drums, you got to have sticks, two things. And the number two thing is you got to have drums. So you got sticks, you got drums, and you can make some noise. Now, I can only imagine what some of you are thinking. Dear God, make it stop. Also, some of you are thinking, who gave him drumsticks? Also, some of you are thinking, he looks like he's having way too much fun up there. Well, see, I quickly realized that there's actually a third thing required to play the drums. Yes, you need sticks. And yes, you need drums. But the third thing to really play the drums so it doesn't sound like somebody is building a shed is a thing called rhythm. Rhythm. Rhythm is a pace. It's being on and being off. It includes rests. And so you can sit at a drums and you can make all kinds of noise. But if you add some rhythm, all of a sudden, what used to sound like make it go away can start to sound like music. Oh, what's that? You want a six count? Okay. All of a sudden, that starts to sound less annoying and more like music. Now, I could get distracted and do this for a really long time, but you understand my point. I can hit the same exact cymbals. I can hit the same exact drums. I can hit the same stuff. Yet one sounds like I dropped every tool in my tin shed and it's like, what's going on? And the other sounds like music. And why? Because there's a key ingredient in music that you learn really quickly that makes all the difference between noise and music. And if you're a musician, you already know what I'm gonna say. And I already said it, it's rest. Rest is the difference between noise and music. Rest is what's required to have rhythm. Rest is being off, it's pausing. And so when you're off, 
there's a pause. And when you're on, there's a noise and it creates this beautiful rhythm. And it's when to be on and when to be off, when to make noise and when to be silent, when to say yes to one more thing and when to say, no, I can't do that. We're too busy. And some of us have no rest and no rhythm in our life. And so rhythm and rest is being on at the right time and off at the right time. Now, I didn't play anything profound, but at first it was just obnoxious. It was even annoying me. It was just terrible. But at second, it was like, okay, there's a beat. There's something there that, that a drummer could get behind. A band, you could lead a band with that. Why? Because I was on when I needed to be on. I was off when I needed to be off. Likewise, the piano is very similar. My daughter, Madison, uh, she's nine years old now. She started playing the piano when she was five. So we'll go over to the piano, uh, have a little fun here. And um, again, I don't, I don't really play much of an instrument. I play a couple things on a couple things. Um, but, but piano is the same thing. I can, I can just make noise. And while I'm having fun and this wouldn't get boring for a long time, it's probably really annoying to listen to. Yet, if I, if I maybe put some rests in, maybe some rhythms, it perhaps can sound a little bit different. Same keys. Sounds like, I don't know, like Mario running with a star or something in like the castle, I don't know. But if I add a little bit of rhythm, if I add a little bit of rest, all of a sudden what used to be noise starts to sound like music. Same keys. Or which one of those is more pleasant to listen to? Even just that little bit, something happened in your soul, didn't it? It happened in your spirit. We went, ah, oh, I like the sound of that. I like the feel of that. What noise, what rhythm, what pace is your life making? Does your life sound more like this? Or does your life sound more like? Because you know what the reality is? Same keys. I can hit the same keys. I can hit the same notes. But one is loud, obnoxious noise. Make it stop. When can we quit? And one is beautiful music, or at least it's meant to be. I'm, I'm no musician. But when you think of the, the rhythm of your life, when you think of the pace of your life, does it sound more like noise or more like music, when you think of being the drummer of your own life, are you setting a pace a band can follow or is it just clanging cymbals? See, here's the reality is, is, is if you're in a band, you could make a case that probably the drummer is the most important person because he's the one who sets the tone, sets the pace, sets the beat. Uh, and again, I've, I've messed around with the drums a little bit and I have this tendency that I start at a good pace, but um, subconsciously I actually get a little bit faster. I get a little bit faster. And I'm like, whoa, I'm way faster. Even though there's rest, there's less rest in between. And all of a sudden I'm playing a lot 
faster. We see this throughout scripture. We see that God instituted, we see this in Genesis, we see it in Exodus, we see it in Leviticus, we see it in rhythms throughout the Old Testament characters, we see it in the New Testament. We, we see this rhythm and this pace of God saying, go, 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 rest, six and one, six and one. Produce, create, plant, rest. Achieve, work, rest. Balance, rhythm, rest. Balance, rhythm, rest. Yet so many of us are trying to run to one more thing and we got to get the kids in one more thing. I got one more thing. I got to do the email and now our, our phone and everything else. And we got all this. And I talked a lot about that last week. And my question is, is there something that God is trying to say where he's saying, I have put the world on a holy pause so you could embrace my pace and my rhythm and you could take my yoke upon you. What's ironic, this is so ironic, of all of the people in the Bible, who do you think understood this the most? Yeah, somebody said out loud, I'm sure, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus had more rhythm and less of a problem saying no in the Bible than almost anything else. I wanna dive into just a few quick scriptures because I don't want you just to take my word for it, but Jesus came, remember, to save us from our sin, but he also came to, to model what life abundantly looked like and to show what God was like. And so he lives this model. He shows us how to live in Jesus. If you read the gospels through the lens, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of this, you will see oftentimes where Jesus said no, got away, had rhythm, had rest. And he had three years to change the world, yet he was often getting away. First of all, verse, uh, chapter, Mark chapter one, and at the, end of verse, the end of the chapter, verse 32, it says this. Um, this is one of the accounts of Jesus. It says, that evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Okay, let's just stop there. What a great group to have brought to you, right? Like, Hey, we brought you all the demon-possessed and sick people. Hey, Pastor Dennis, let's get Dennis. We found all the demon-possessed and we found all the sick people. What a great group to be brought to your house, right? But this is what they do to Jesus. Like, Jesus, we brought some people who really need some help. Everybody is plugging in to Jesus. They're like, we want one more thing. We need one more, you know, we need one more exorcism. We need one more healing. We need one more thing. And verse 33, it goes on. It says, the whole town gathered at the door. Of course they did. They want to see what happened. I mean, if you bring a whole town of sick and demon-possessed person to a, a, a person who claims to be the savior and have power, something's gonna happen one way or the other. It's a spectacle. And so they're all there and they're all at the door. And verse 34 says, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases and he also drove out many demons. So he was just lining them up and knocking them down. He's like healing people. He's like touching people. He's getting demons out of people. He's making life better. Could you imagine how drained Jesus was at the end of the day? Some of you may be thinking, well, he was God, but he was also human. But I want you to watch this. So if that's the night before, watch what happens the very next day. Verse 35 says, very early the next morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus knew that he, he had a great moment or, 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 or time of output that it was important that he got alone to a solitary pray, place to pray. And this is hilarious. Watch the next verse. Again, the disciples, they're just so funny. Verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions, the disciples, went to look for Jesus. And verse 37 says, and when, every, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Well, you think? He just healed all the sick people, cast out a bunch of demons, and they're like, where'd Jesus go? Everybody wakes up and he gone. Why? Because he's like, I can't keep doing and I can't keep going and I can't keep producing if I don't rest, if I don't find a solitary place, if I don't get some time with God where he can refresh my 
soul. You know what he didn't do? You know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't get up and go, well, gotta get back to it, another 16 hour day, let's go find some more demon possessed and let's go, I mean, he eventually did, but before he did that, he got away and he rested. Watch what Jesus says and watch his response. This was not what they expected. They were like, he's like, everybody's looking for you. He basically, the people are like, hey, go tell Jesus we want more. Watch Jesus' response in verse 38. He says, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. What? How many of us, if, if somebody needed something, was pulling out, say, hey, can you help me? Can you do one more Zoom call? Can you do one more email? Can you help us? Can you consult? Can you do this thing? How many of us would say, actually, I'm gonna go somewhere. I'm gonna take a break. And I'm gonna do this somewhere else because there's other people I wanna help. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk away from this. Jesus had people asking for more and he got alone to pray, and then he went somewhere else. I'm gonna show you a couple more just so you see that this is a regular pattern in Jesus' life. Mark chapter six, a few chapters later, um, verse 30, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus to report him all they had seen and done. Jesus had just sent them out, and they're coming back. They're like, Jesus, guess what we did? And he's like, good job, guys. Um, and then verse 31, it says, then because so many people were coming to him and going that they did not even get a chance to eat. And so he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Come to me and get some rest. They're explaining what happened. People are coming and, and, and Jesus says, hey, we got to get away. We got to go. We can't, we can't do this right now. We can't produce more. We can't output more. Last scripture I wanna share with you, Luke chapter five, and there's lots of these examples, but I wanna show you one from Luke chapter five. The word about Jesus is spreading and, 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 and stuff's going on and they all know about him. And so Luke 5.15 says, yet the news about Jesus spread all the more. So crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness, verse 16. But Jesus often, often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Jesus was known for somebody who would often go to a lonely place and pray. Now, here's what you have to remember. The people who wrote these, these stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are master, they're master storytellers. Every detail matters. It's almost like they're making a point to help us to understand that every time Jesus' outputs, every time he produces, he gets away often to a lonely place to pray and rest and refresh and eat. They make it a point to tell us that he gets away after he pours out. In fact, in John chapter, or in Matthew chapter 14, when he gets word that John the Baptist had been beheaded, that's his cousin and his friend, it says that he went away privately. There were people that wanted him, but he's like, he basically was saying, I need to grieve, I need to get alone, I need to be unavailable. I listed that in the notes, that's that reference in Matthew 14, where we see that he lost somebody that he cared about and he grieved. He said, I can't do this right now. This life has happened. I need, to, I need space to grieve. I need space to feel it. He didn't feel, fill his schedule with one more thing. So he's like, I don't wanna have to miss John. I don't wanna have to not feel it. I don't wanna have to not be sad or sorry. He says, I need to process. I need to get away. I need to get healed and whole. I need, I need to, to be okay with what happened. And so here's the craziest thing when I look at the life of, of Jesus. Jesus had three years, three years to change the world. And yet he spent a lot of that time getting away to an alone place to rest and pray and refresh and be with God. He was sent here to save the world and start the church that would never end. And he had three years to do it because he started his ministry at age 30 and he died when he was 33. History teaches us. So he had three years to change the world. And he spent more time resting 
and refreshing and praying than most of us will. And here's the crazy part. In those three years, Jesus got more accomplished than many of us will in a lifetime. Why? Because he got away to private places, solitary, he prayed, he rested, and he taught his followers to do the same. We see lots of stories where he brings them to the garden with them, where he's teaching them how to rest, how to pray. Because again, in a lot of these stories, you see where they're saying, Jesus, there's more to do. Jesus, they want to know where you are. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Jesus and Jesus says, we're not going to do that today. We did that yesterday. Today's about rest. Today's about rhythm. Today, I'm trying to teach you something. And so I want to talk just super briefly about, okay, Pastor Corey, you've been talking about this for two weeks. What do we do with this? I want to talk about two rhythms to embrace into your life. And, and you, I've already basically said you the first one two rhythms to embrace in your life that if you will embrace, I believe your family, your job, your physical health, your emotional health will greatly improve if we could find the pace of grace instead of the pace of chaos, Jesus's pace. And so two rhythms to embrace. And number one is Sabbath. I know it's an old principle. I know you may not be Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but there is a rhythm there is a, a, a created way things are supposed to go. And we are invited to live in this six and one on and off rhythm and rest. Or we can take our free will and think we know better. or like, no, we're just called to produce and we want to get busy because we want to feel important or we want to get busy so we don't have to think about things we don't like. Sabbath. And here's what you need to know about Sabbath. Sabbaths are for rest. Sabbath is for rest. We cannot afford to ignore this. Our body requires it. Our bodies are are built for and require rhythms, whether it's eating, whether it's lifting weights and working out. You can't do anything all the time. There has to be a time to be on and a time to be off. I mean, even the most subconscious of our, of our bodies, the heartbeat, the breathing, blinking, all those things are on rhythms where we are constantly, our bodies are wired to be on and off, on and off. And a Sabbath is a once a week, and it doesn't have to be, it could be any day of the week. It could be a Monday, it could be a Saturday, but it is a day where you're like, I'm not gonna produce and accomplish. I'm just going to rest. I'm gonna get alone. I'm going to get with God. Sabbaths are for rest, to give your body and your mind separation so that you can get away from the things that are weighing you down. Just pick a day and unplug. If you want to experience a better pace in your life, if you want to experience rhythms, have a Sabbath, have a day where you're unavailable, where you're not on the email, you're not on the phone. If some of you, if you have kids, they just know your phone is on silent, in the room, you're with whatever, get away, read a book, go to the beach, go for a walk, unplug. Some of us are dying for this rhythm. Sabbath, Sabbath are for rest. Another, another um, uh, rhythm to embrace, vacation. Number two is vacation. Now, here's an important difference. Sabbath is for rest. Vacation is for recreation. Vacation is not for rest. It's for recreation. If you've ever been on a vacation, you know you don't come back rested. You go to Disney, you go spend all your money, you stay in hotels, you stay up, you get up early, you stay up late, you spend all your money, you're tired, you're dry. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go to the Rocky Mountains and you're climbing and you're hiking and you're, and you, va vacations are are opportunities for recreation. In fact, vacations are to make memories. Vacations are meant to create, remember when moments. So Sabbath is for rest and Sabbath is when we reconnect to God and vacation is when we reconnect to each other. And the problem for many of us is we substitute, uh, we substitute vacation for Sabbath. We're burned out, we're tired, we're like, I just need a vacation. Well, you go on vacation and whether it was awesome or not, you're more tired, you're more burned out. And you're like, man, I'm still, why am I still so irritable? because you went on a vacation, but you don't have a regular rhythm of Sabbath, of rest and unplugging and being unavailable. 
And, uh, and, and in fact, 40% of Americans are not using all of their vacation days. Uh, every year, over 300 million days of, of vacation days don't get used by corporate America. Some of us, we just need to go on vacation. Some of us, of course, when we can. Some of us, we need rest. Some of us, we have this mentality like, you guys can go on vacation, that's good for you, but I'm gonna stay here and work harder and I'm gonna get one more thing and I'm gonna rise to the top. And meanwhile, the kids just wanna go make a memory and have fun and reconnect. And before you know it, the toddler's in preschool and the preschooler's an elementary student and the elementary student is in high school and you haven't made a memory and you don't have rhythm and you might've got ahead of your job, but was it really, really worth it? I said this last week, but for some of us, Work has become our God and busyness has become our badge of honor, but that is not what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus often got up alone to a lonely place to pray and to connect with God. So here's my question. How hungry are you to withdraw to a place where you can be disconnected from everything else and just be with God? Can your business run without you for a couple of days? Do you need to unplug what do you need to do? See, here's a profound truth. Why do we need to get away? And why do we need to spend rest time with God? Because when God is present in our rest, he is more present in our work. When God is more present in our rest, he becomes more present in our work. The author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, writes this in a beautifully poetic scripture of, of, of Ecclesiastes chapter three, and I'm not, gonna write, or I'm not gonna read it, but he basically just says, there's a time for everything, a time uh, to be born and die, a time to plant and uproot. And, he, and I would encourage you to read it. And, and he's talking about this rhythm that God created where to be on and off and rest and rhythm and pace. And so as we close, a couple questions. When was the last time you had a true Sabbath? When was the last time you had rest? And what do you need to do to not make sure that you get one a year, but make sure you get one a week, six in one rhythm and pace? When was the last time you had a vacation to, to recreate and connect? I read it in, in uh, I think in one of the emotionally healthy books or emotional intelligence, uh, somebody wrote that, um, this was a Christian psychologist, that if, um, if you need vacation just to survive because you're so depleted, you're doing it wrong. Vacation should be for recreation. We should, we should have enough rhythms where we're, where we're okay without that. Do you need a vacation? Or maybe ask this, maybe just this one question, I'm gonna put it on the screen. Maybe this is your prayer for the week. God, what are some things you don't want me to do anymore? We have as a, a great of an opportunity now as we've had in a long time. The world has shut down. I think maybe some of us are realizing that some of the stuff that we were filling our time and our schedule with, we don't need. We were spending our money on, we don't need. And before we go back into re-entry, rather than go back to what was, what's the new normal that God's wanting to create? I pray that you would at least explore this in your life. I'm gonna pray in just a second, I wanna say this. It's hard to experience God's rhythm and getting alone with him to pray if you've never done that. God wants to have a relationship with you and we believe that he sent his son Jesus to live perfect and die. And, and pay the price for all of our mistakes so that if we would believe in him and, and declare that he would be the Lord of our life, that we would be saved. And if you don't have a personal relationship with that God, it's as simple as just saying, I want to have you, Jesus, I invite you into my life. And, and, and if you're on Facebook, you can text Cape Yes, or if you're online, you can click the banner and you can just say, I want to have Jesus in my, I wanna receive Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus for the first time. And if that's you, I'm gonna pray for you. For the rest of us, I wanna pray that we would explore this idea in our life. 
that, that we would say yes to the Holy Spirit giving us the gift of rest and rhythm and balance. There's a term, an old Jewish term called Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom and Shabbat, uh, Shalom is peace and Shabbat is, is part of uh, the language of sabbatical and it, it, it means good Sabbath, but the literal translation uh, is actually what you're saying to somebody is may you dwell in completeness on this seventh day. May you experience the fullness of Sabbath. May you experience full rest. May you dwell in completeness on the seventh day. May you not go back to your first day of six, more tired and more burned out, but may you be rested and refreshed. And so I wanna pray that I wanna, I wanna bless you with Shabbat Shalom and I wanna pray. And if you're saying yes to Jesus, you just acknowledge him and you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. For those of us who are already following him, we're just gonna say yes to his rhythms. And so let's, let's pray, join me wherever you're at behind whatever screen you're, you're in, whoever you're with, God, we want your rhythms. We want your balance. Your book is clear and loaded and we see this pattern from the beginning to the end. Nowhere more evident and pre present than with Jesus that, that we are not always to be on, we're not always to produce, that we're not always to be busy and fill ourselves and our time with one more thing. But God, would we learn to embrace your, your rhythms? God, would we learn to in institute Sabbath into our, our, our work week, our, our, our regular week? Would we vacation? Would we understand that Sabbath is for rest and to connect with you and vacation is to for recreation and to connect with each other and to make memories. So God, maybe before we go back to our new normal, we would pre ahead of time decide some of the things that we are gonna say no to so we can say yes to this. Holy Spirit, help us to understand and, and step into and lean into this gift of rest. We welcome it, we, we want it, we need it. God, help us to find you in our rest and help, we, help us to find the rest that you promised us. God, help us to live this out. God, please don't let this just be another message series where we hear some good stuff, but let it be a moment where we look back and we say our lives were never the same. As hard as the coronavirus was for so many reasons, it shifted some things in our lives and we never went back. May we embrace this as a lifestyle. And God, thank you for your word and your example. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue with our service by responding to that great and challenging message. If God used the message to speak to you like he spoke to me in my heart, saying no to a lot of good things so that we can say yes to a lot of great things, then we encourage you to take these next few moments and continue to worship. Allow God to speak to your heart. If you'd like prayer, please click on the prayer link. Don't journey alone. We'd love to join with you in prayer. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a person or, or that you're any worse than anyone else. It just means you're a human being and we all need prayer. So don't let this moment pass by without receiving everything that God has for you. So as we continue to worship, you can keep chatting, keep connecting. And remember, if there's anything that you need throughout the week, go to capechristian.com and click on the Everything Cape Christian Online banner. That's your way to stay connected to us in this time of isolation. Thanks for joining us today.
Tremble 